Let us begin with the Gayatri prayer. Please join me in offering this most ancient and sublime invocation. Om. Let us meditate on the glory of that effulgent reality from whom the whole universe is projected. May that enlighten our mind. For just a few moments, let us become calm and subjective, practicing meditation with devotion and determination.
Will you please take the prayer book, Prayers of Self-Realization, and turn to prayer number 95, which may be found on pages 129 and 130. Slowly and reverently, let us pray. From out eternity comes thy voice, calling my soul back to its transcendental immensity, and my overflowing heart, enthralled by self-oblivious joy, rushes to thy enduring peace, whose depth no thought can plumb, nor word express. Like currents of water from many lands, ceaselessly flowing toward the boundless shores to find freedom in the immeasurable depth of the sea, in everlasting aspiration, souls from all planes of existence reach out for mergence in the perfection of the omnipresent spirit. Liberation is the gift of the infinite. Upon thy expansive vastness, the day welcomes the dawn, and again the night greets the evening star. With the gentle embrace of love, wherein life and death are lost in immortality. Through the transcendence of self-limitation, duality melts into imperishable existence, and immortality transmutes death into immortal life. Thou illimitable creator of the infinite reality, Thou dost dissolve all finitude within thy cosmic being. For in thy innermost depth is hidden omnipotence, the power of universality that transforms the relative into the absolute. Before thy magnificence all littleness drops away from the mind, and the heart is lifted to the realm of pure consciousness, where soul meets God in the rhythm of surging bliss. Amen. On this Memorial Day weekend, we offer our prayer for all great souls who have sacrificed for their fellow human beings. With the prayer of peace in our hearts, we offer this meditation with the cosmic vibration of all souls. Let us begin with Sound. The first sound. 
we might think of the beginning of all creation with this expression from the Bible. In the beginning was the word. Or from the Quran, Allah commands the universe to be. Or even in cosmological terms, with the Big Bang. These are grand visions of the beginning and the first sound. But if we think in more simple terms of the individual human being, the first sound from the mouth of a newborn baby is a cry, a very high-pitched sound that tugs at the heart of a new parent. And we think of the very first note we learn to sing. We do not put with it any consonant, just the vowel sound. And we carry it with our vocal cords and breath and thought. We learn to raise and lower the pitch and begin to offer a melody, one that comes so naturally to all of our animal friends. The birds inherently know their song, and we come to know each bird by its sound and its song. There is music conducted every day. We hear it with the wind in the trees, the babbling brook, and the melody of a songbird. Outside, we hear a unique symphony. All we need to do is listen. Our voices are individual. We know a person by the voice, and we can hear that voice in our mind even when the person is not physically present. That voice is not just the sound produced by the human being, but the life that is created. We know one another by that voice of life lived. As human beings, and not unlike animals, we have also learned to join our voices in chanting, in singing, and reciting. And whether we sing together or apart, we join together in the universe of vibration, in a symphony of sound. There is also the soundless sound. This vibration reverberates within our innermost being. 
It is heard only in silence. When we go into the inner chamber and shut the door to every other sound that comes from life around us, then we can know the keynote of our life. The knower of this mystery of sound knows the whole universe. The practice of Kriya spiritualizes and raises the sensitivity of the entire nervous system to the perfection of subtle vibration. This rhythmic vibration of the entire inner being synchronizes with the cosmic vibration of the ever-expanding radiant consciousness where limitations vanish and divine qualities emerge. The word we use in yoga to describe this harmony and vibration is nada, na from prana, life-bearing, consciousness-bearing energy, and da from deep or div, the light of consciousness. Nada is pure self-conscious vibration, both audible and inaudible. Mystics work to awaken the resonance of that cosmic vibration. Some yogis might blow the conch shell, and there are monks who ring church bells or sound temple gongs. These sounds were later interpreted merely as calls to worship but their meaning was far more sublime. It was the reminder to find and heed that sacred inner sound. In Indian music, we know nad as musical sound or vibration. But in spiritual and philosophical terms, we know it as the power of inner attunement. It is the power of purity by which we create harmony within us and then draw harmony unto all that surrounds us. Creation begins with the activity of consciousness, which may be called vibration. From the Kina Upanishad, we learn that which cannot be heard with the ears, but that cosmic vibration whereby the ears gain the power of hearing, know that alone to be Brahman and not else of the phenomenal universe. The first Manifestation in creation is sound or vibration. All of life is part of a cosmic song. 
This cosmic vibration resounds throughout our entire being. From Rumi, you are the notes and we are the flute. And from Tagore, only let me make my life simple and straight, like a flute of reed for thee to fill with music. Each Sunday during our worship service, we join together in offering expressions of a universal ideal of absolute monism. These expressions, these eternal truths, have been gathered for us from the scriptures of humanity, from the Rig Veda and the Upanishads, from the Old and New Testaments of the Bible, the Quran and the Avesta. Please join me in offering these eternal truths. I am an absolute monist. I believe truth is one. Men call it by various names. God, Brahman, is consciousness, existence, bliss, absolute. Everything is the manifestation of God, the divine reality. The soul of man is of identical nature with the God of the universe. Make thine own self pure by good thoughts, good words, good deeds. Realize thyself by the realization of one's own self. The absolute self is realized. God is the light of the heavens and the earth. He who realizes God becomes one with God. I am that I am. I and my Father are one. I am Brahman, the Absolute Self. At this time, we will have a scripture reading by Matthew Pazarina. A reading from the first and tenth chapters of the Srimad Bhagavad Gita. The illuminating joyous vibration of the ascending current of pranic force resembles the tone quality of the hum of the bumblebee at Muladhar, Kaksijil, that of the melodious note from a violin at Sadistan, sacral, that of the sweet call of a flute at Manipur, lumbar, that of the deep and vibrant roar of a conch at Anahata, dorsal, that of the reverberation of rolling thunder at Vishudu, cervical, and that of a universal symphony of exalting blissfulness at Ajna, the spiritual eye. Besides these, there are also felt in this body temple the power of calmness of mind and poise of the senses, clear conscious and love of truth, intuition and enlightened perception, as well as the power of purified consciousness and self-realization. The illuminating power and joyousness of these vibrations are beyond the conception of mind. 
this cosmic vibration resounding throughout the entire being and consciousness spiritualizes the faculties of the senses, transforms the will of the sense-attached mind, and liberates the self from sense-identification. One who possesses the true knowledge of all these manifestations of my divine being, as well as that of my yoga power, becomes united with me in the yoga of inseparable oneness. Of this there is no doubt. I am the origin of all, and everything evolves in my cosmic being. Knowing this, the wise worship me with loving consciousness. Their hearts absorbed in me, their lives dedicated to me, enlightening one another about me, and ever and ever reveling my glory in songs, meditation, and service. They live in contentment and joy. To these ever steadfast devotees who worship me with love and devotion, I give that light of illumination of pure consciousness by which they come to me. Will you please take the prayer book once again, Prayers of Self-Realization, and turn to prayer number 146, which may be found on page 185. Slowly and devotedly, let us pray. Pure is my heart, my Lord, for my heart is thine altar. Pure is my soul, O Spirit, for my soul is thyself. Infinite is my love, O Beloved, for thou comest unto me only in love. Then, O my soul, be brave to burst the banks that bind thy love. O thou infinite love, overflow the universe and sweep creation with thy all-conquering power. The rosebud awaits thy touch to unfold its beauty before the Lord. The skylark seeks thy magic touch to sing before its creator. Without thee, my song shall become a sigh, and my Lord knows not pity, but love. Fail not the heart that pines for purity, and the heart that must learn to love. Encompass all, all men, all beings, all worlds, and grant them their freedom in the ocean of love. Where love is life, love is bliss, and God is love. Amen. At this time, please join us in the singing of the hymn For the Beauty of the Earth. For the beauty of the earth, for 
Please join me in offering the prayer of devotion by Swami Yogananda Paramansa, the Guru Preceptor of our Church. Heavenly Father, may Thy love shine forever on the sanctuary of my devotion, and may I be able to awaken Thy love in all hearts. Om. Peace. Amen. Let us ask ourselves this question. Why is the scripture of the dialogue between Krishna and Arjuna considered to be God's beautiful celestial song? That is the name, after all, Bhagavad Gita, Bhagavad, most beautiful, perfect Gita song. Why is it so? Is it due to the rhythm of poetic verse? Is it meant to be sung? Why does it have this name? Swami Premananda, the founder of our church, wrote in the introduction of his translation and verse-by-verse -verse spiritual text of the Srimad Bhagavad Gita, saying, The practice of Kriya brought me self-illumination, and with that inner light the words of the Gita, as I continued in its study, began to reveal a new significance to me. Before long, I recognized the Gita to be the voice of subjective revelation and an unfailing guide on the path of self-unfoldment. As the seeker of enlightenment turns to the very source of creation, to that eternal cosmic song, from whence the whole of creation manifests, it is no surprise that Arjuna turns to Krishna, that the spiritual aspirant turns to the one unto whom the whole universe is attracted. This activity of soul occurs again and again throughout the whole of humanity. The song we come to sing is the realization of that cosmic vibration whereby we gain the power of our senses, thought, and volition. It is that sound that is the very source of creation. And the celestial song from whence we are born. It is the music of the spheres. In ancient Greece, Pythagoras and his followers thought the celestial bodies made music. Pythagoras had already discovered 
the workings of musical pitch by way of vibration. He reasoned that because objects produced sound when in motion, planets moving in orbit should also produce a sound. So objects in motion vibrate and produce sound and planets are very large bodies in motion, therefore they must also produce a sound. Given that their relative distances were concordant with musical intervals, Pythagoras surmised that the resulting sound must be a harmony, a music of the spheres. However, the resulting sound should be so remarkably loud that we should hear it here on earth. And yet, we do not. Why was this sound inaudible? Pythagoras and his followers surmised that because it was continually sounding, we had no point of comparison no real sense of silence or difference, and therefore we could not distinguish it from our known idea of silence. Johann Kepler maintained this metaphor when he said, the heavenly motions are nothing but a continuous song for several voices, perceived by the intellect, not by the ear. String theory has been actively studied in an attempt to understand the universe. Rather than visualizing the smallest particles of matter as minuscule points, String theory posits that quarks and electrons may be visualized as submicroscopic strings that vibrate, much like on a musical instrument. The tone at which a string vibrates determines its physical form. At present, they remain invisible and are thought to exist in other as yet invisible dimensions. Many theoretical physicists believe that string theory could be a theory of everything, a fundamental way of describing the makeup of the universe. This culture of sound is thereby extended to the smallest particles and the largest galaxies. Pythagoras was known for saying, there is geometry in the humming of the strings. There is music in the spacing of the spheres. This universe is a celestial song then certainly the dialogue of Krishna and Arjuna brings us a little closer to hearing this celestial song within the soul. Tagore said, 
The song that I came to sing remains unsung to this day. I have spent my days in stringing and unstringing my instrument. This effort of tuning the instrument of ourselves, of stringing and unstringing, is a constant effort. It is our Kriya. What happens when our life becomes out of tune? We notice our out of tunement when it manifests in our state of being. When we become physically ill, when we are emotionally spent or depressed, when we become lethargic, it takes an act of awakening to retune ourselves. How do we awaken and create attunement? Often we hear of or we comment on the healing effect of music. This healing effect creates subtle changes in our heart and consciousness. The ideas about the effects of sound on the nervous system are not new. Aristotle wrote that rhythm and melody have an effect on our spirit. Throughout time, human beings have come to know the best use of vibration is spiritual evolution. In the Vedas, the sound of the abstract is anahat, meaning unstruck sound. The Sufis named it sarmad, suggesting freedom of soul from earthly bondage. Those who are able to hear it are freed from the captivity of the senses and the physical body. The spiritual vibration of these centers awakened, uplift the mind. The mystic center, Anahata, represents the primordial vibration of perfection. It is the vibration of the cosmic soul. This sound vibration is only audible in silence. Tagore wrote, Let all my songs gather together their diverse strains into a single current and flow to a sea of silence in one salutation to thee. Learning how to hear the vibration in that sea of silence in meditation at Anahata 
We learn the secret of freeing ourselves from all limitations. This transcendence of the ineffable and sublime reaches the silence in us and takes us into the cosmic vibration. The vibration at Anahata is awakened within us as a result of our realization of harmony. It is achieved by mastery of the rhythm of life, by attunement to cosmic life. Again, from the words of the poet-composer Rabindranath Tagore, my heart sings in amazement as I feel the rhythm of creation beating with the rhythm of my pulse. Mahatma Gandhi once said, when I was a little child, there used to be two blind performers in Rajkot. One of them was a musician. And when he played on his instrument, his fingers swept the strings with an unerring instinct. And everyone listened spellbound to his playing. Similarly, there are chords in every human heart. If we only knew how to strike the right chord, we would bring out the music. The sympathetic strings of the instrument known as the sitar bring forth their sound by attunement. They are not struck. We are struck by the right chord, and our hearts are moved sympathetically when we respond to beauty and inspiration. In Gandhi's ashram, prayer meetings were always accompanied by music. He encouraged the inclusion of songs that imparted a thoughtful message that would uplift people by their beauty and truth. Our consciousness has a vibration, a sound particular to each one of us. In order to play our part in the symphony of cosmic life, we must find that particular tone within us, which unites us with the cosmic nada. Have you ever sung in solfege or sargam? We know it as do, re, mi, fa, so, la, ti, do, or sa, re, ga, ma, pa, da, ni, sa. Sometimes we don't sing words, merely the notes of a melody. These syllables assigned to the notes of the scale enable us to mentally hear the pitches of music sung aloud. In Indian music, one must first find one's sa, or tonic. It might be of a higher or lower pitch, depending on the individual. 
and Western music has both a fixed do, where the syllables are always tied to specific pitches, as well as a movable do, where the syllables are assigned to scale degrees. In 11th century Italy, the music theorist Guido of Arezzo invented a notational system that named the six notes of the hexachord after the first syllable of each line of the Latin hymn Ut Keant Laxis, the hymn to St. John the Baptist. Each line of this hymn begins on the next scale degree, so each note's name was the syllable sung at that pitch in this hymn. Ut, re, mi, fa, so, la. The words to this hymn were written by Paulus Diaconus in the 8th century. They translate roughly as, So that your servants may, with loosened voices, resound the wonders of your deeds, purified from our lips, O Saint John. Some of the syllables were slightly changed in later times to eventually come to the solfege that we know. Similar to the solfege is the sargam. The ancient Sanskrit text, Natya Shastra, discusses seven swara. Swara is the pitch from which a musician constructs the scales, melodies, and ragas. Collectively, these notes, swaras and shrutis, the microtones, are known as the sargam. Sa, re, ga, ma, pa, da, ni, sa. The word swara is derived from the root svar, which means to sound. This word is found in the Shamaveda, one of the four Vedas, the Rig, Sama, Yajur, and Atarva. The name Shamaveda comes from Shaman, song, and Veda, knowledge. It is the Veda of melodies and chants, and embedded inside the Shamaveda are the Chandogya Upanishad in the Kina Upanishad. In the Upanishads, the cyclic rise and setting of the sun and world is referred to as the music of spheres. And the sun is stated to be humming the wheel of the world. Now, one of the greatest known composers of ragas of Indian music is Tansen. He was considered one of the jewels of the court of Emperor Akbar. There is a story of Tansen and Emperor Akbar, which I have often shared. In this story, the emperor asked Tansen, tell me, O great musician, who was your teacher? And Tansen replied, Your Majesty, my teacher is a very great musician. But more than that, I cannot call him musician. 
Rather, I must call him Music. The emperor asked, Can I hear him sing? And Tansen answered, Perhaps I may try to ask him to sing for you, but you cannot think of inviting him here to the court. The emperor then asked, Can I go to where he is? And then Tansen said, his pride may revolt even there, thinking that he is to sing before a king. Akbar said, Shall I go as your servant? Hmm, Tansen answered, Yes. Then there may be hope that he will sing in your presence. So both of them went up into the Himalayas, high up in the mountains where the sage had his temple of music in a cave. Living with nature, in tune with the infinite. When they arrived, the musician was on horseback and Akbar was walking. The sage saw that the emperor had humbled himself to come to hear his music and hence he was willing to sing for him. And when he felt he was in the mood for singing, he sang, and his singing was great. It was truly phenomenal. It seemed as if all the trees and plants of the forest were vibrating. It was a song of the universe. And the deep impression made upon Akbar and Tansen was more than they could stand. They went into a state of trance, of rest, of peace. And while they were in that state, the master left the cave. When they opened their eyes, he was no longer there. The emperor said, Oh, what a strange phenomenon. But where has the master gone? And Tansen said, You will never see him in this cave again. For once one has gotten a taste of this, he will pursue it, even if it costs him his life. It is greater than anything in life. When they were back at court again, the emperor asked the musician, Tell me, what raga, what melody did your master sing? Tansen then told him the name of the raga, and he sang it for him. But the emperor was not content. He said, Yes, it is the same music, but it is not the same spirit. Why is that? The musician Tansen replied, The reason is this, that while I, Tansen, sing before you the emperor, my master sings before God. That is the difference. Amen. Thank you. Will you all now please fold your hands and place them at your hearts 
with consciousness lifted to the supreme self of us all. Together let us pray the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Grant us, O Lord, the realization of thy presence, peace, and perfection within us and all beings, now and forevermore. Amen.